first came across Rachel many years ago when she had her first business, Rock and Co. Um, I came across her on Instagram, of course, um, and really loved kind of her modern and accessible approach to a crystal business, which often has certain connotations. Um, she then transitioned into being a clinical hypnotherapist and rapid transformational therapist. And I worked with her as a patient, I guess you would say, and absolutely loved the modality and experience and saw pretty amazing kind of shifts and results very quickly. So I was really keen to chat to her about kind of her journey from, you know, being in the corporate kind of advertising environment to moving into this more spiritual healing space and kind of learn if that was challenging, what came up for her, kind of shifts in identity with that change and learn kind of more about that and her approach to business, life and family. Something I really love about Rachel is her openness and willingness to just try things. You know, she says in this podcast, I absolutely love what I'm doing now, but do I know that I'll be still doing that in 10, 20 years? I'm not sure. And I think this, yeah, this trust and openness to try new things um, and giving things a go is, yeah, a really amazing quality. So check out her her website and businesses. I'll leave all of the links in the show notes. And I really hope you enjoy this conversation with Rachel. So yeah, it came across you during when you had Rock and Co. And then whenever you transitioned, I guess, to doing the hypnosis, did a session with you. And now I've seen that you've been doing kind of past life regression work as well. So I'm really curious, like how I guess that all unfolded in the sense of how and why you started Rock and Co. And then how it evolved into RTT and then past life regressions. So I was in advertising for. 16 years and then still freelance for a while when I started Rock and Co. So about 18, 20 years of experience. But I the reason why I started Rock and Co was because I always I always had this burning desire to start my own business, be able to nurture my own brand. And I used to get quite frustrated with clients sometimes for not you know doing things the way you would want them to do it and and I also used to work my um ass off so I used to also think if I could work this hard for someone else imagine how hard I'd be able to work for myself so that was sort of always in the back of my mind and then when I had my little boy he's my second child I got postnatal depression but it was it was horrendous but it was a blessing as well because then it, it absolutely made me go onto a completely different path. So I started to dive into, I guess at the time I had this mentality of fix me, (laughs) somebody fix me. And so I was going to kinesiology and trying hypnotherapy and doing yoga therapy and trying a whole bunch of different things. And then in that process, I realized that I absolutely loved being in that space. I loved the self-discovery I loved being able to feel and see this transformation within my own world. And then I, and this sounds so random, but it was actually quite a random situation. I I guess I started following my intuition. So what I found was through the healing and coming back to myself that this 
intuitive voice became louder. And because I was trying everything, I bought a crystal and when it arrived, I bought it online somewhere. I can't even remember where, but when it arrived, I sat on the end of my bed. I didn't know how to use a crystal, but I sat on the end of my bed and at the time we needed some extra money. And so I just imagined I held this piece of citrine in my hand, closed my eyes and imagined the front door bursting open and all this money pouring down the hallway. And then I just popped it next to my bed and didn't think of it again. And then within that week, we had three little financial wins. Like they weren't, it wasn't like winning lotto, but it was like $500 there and a new dress there. And it was just like all this kind of magic. And I just said to Luke instantly, and this was, this was back in 2015. So I know crystals are quite mainstream now, but in 2015, it didn't feel like it still felt very hippie or very, you know, out there, you know, in a way. And I said to Luke, I'm going to start selling crystals on Instagram. This is what I'm going to do. And he went, okay. And I just went hell for leather. I went and explored how I did a crystal healing course and, and launched it. So that, that idea came to me in the September, 2015, and I launched in January, 2016. So it was quite fast between establishing the brand identity and knowing exactly which way to go. So that rock and so from going to rock and co to hypnotherapy, that was a journey within itself. So after two years of doing rock and co, I then left media and knew that I wanted to study something. So I knew that I wanted to be closer to the actual transformation in people's lives. And I was going to study kinesiology, but then right at the 11th hour, I just had this voice say, no, it's hypnotherapy. And I looked online and Marissa Peer from like the creator of RTT happened to be coming out (laughs) the next month. And so by the end of 2018, I had graduated in RTT. So RTT is the style of hypnotherapy that I had first studied. Was it something that you were always drawn to when you were younger or when you were working in media or was it a complete kind of 180 in terms of, you know, what you were interested in and where you were being pulled? Well, I think for me in my mind at the time, I thought this, my friends are going to be so shocked and I felt like this sense of, I guess I felt this sense of fear around coming out and telling people I was going to start selling crystals online it felt terrifying so for me I guess in my mind my identity was very much advertising this is this is who I am and so but once I started telling people they weren't surprised either which sounds funny I guess as a teenager and a kid I was always the one off to see psychics or having tarot cards so for my friends that had known me for a long time, I guess they weren't that surprised. The perception of yourself versus how other people see you can be such a vastly different thing. And often actually those closest to us can see those parts that sometimes we try and not keep hidden, but maybe don't express as much as, you know, we would like to. Exactly, exactly. And I think it's so, it's 
it is. It's the people that are close to us can sometimes see our potential before we can. Yeah. And we definitely, I mean, I, I work with clients all the time that are going through changes and transformations and it, we build it up in such a way that it's so much scarier for our minds and the way we think that we are perceived rather than when we actually do the thing or put ourselves out there or make the change, quite often we end up surprising ourselves and thinking, oh, it actually wasn't that scary. Actually, no one cared. So, okay, so you then went from Rock & Co to RTT. Um, so I've experienced RTT and it was amazing. It was such a cool experience. But do you mind kind of just chatting through kind of exactly what it is and how it works? Yeah, for sure. So RTT stands for Rapid Transformational Therapy. And I actually, I hate that term because I feel like, I mean, yes, it can be absolutely rapid for some people, but I don't like to ever promise anyone that you're going to absolutely change your life overnight. I see it all the time, but I find it it can put this pressure on the transformation rather than letting things unfold naturally. So just to start by saying that. But it is a modality that I have had hundreds and hundreds of clients now and I have had so many that have done a lot of talk therapy, they have tried a lot of other things and within this modality they do see a change instantly because the the way it works is that we start with an initial two-hour session. So I always work with people in a one-month container. And the reason I do that is because I want to be be able to support people through the changes and transformations over the month. Um, for some people, it can, you know, it really helps them to have actions and exercises and coaching along the process to help them ground in the new beliefs. So in the initial two-hour session, we start with, a hypnosis that goes back to the root cause of the issue. So it doesn't matter whether it's binge eating, whether it's anxiety, whether it's sole purpose work, whether whatever the issue is that someone comes to see me for. And I have clients now that will sign up for a 12-month uh, package just so that every six weeks they they uh, raise a focus, they've got a really clear mindset. So, yes, you can use it to solve problems but you can also use it to just continue to make sure that your mindset is fantastic across the year so we go back to memories we're looking for the root cause of the the issue and what I'm trying to find is the memory itself doesn't necessarily matter too much because you haven't just believed that or thought that one time you have if you had a belief of um I don't feel seen, for example, that hasn't just come up once. That has come up 600 times. So the memory itself will be whatever feels safe for the subconscious to explore or whatever is most important for the subconscious to explore in that moment that we're together. And sometimes it's quite a visual experience and other times it's just dark but just a knowing. Or sometimes I've had a photograph pop into my mind and then we've just followed the breadcrumbs of that photograph and seen what was going on at that time so the subconscious is quite clever it will bring forward whatever needs to come forward that day so we go back to memories it's like the detective work I'm trying to find what's the root what's the belief that's going on there what emotions tied to the belief sometimes it's even more somatic where I'm like where does that belief live in your body what does it have to say to us so 
there's that part. Then there's a healing involved in it and that is quite individual to the person. So sometimes that is inner child work. Sometimes it's like I just described then, which is more somatic experience. And then, and this is the beauty, I think, of RTT is that you close with an upgrade hypnosis where I record that part, that 10, 15 minutes and the client walks away with that recording. So the reason why that I think is the magic of RTT because a lot of hypnotherapy, you'll keep going back to the hypnotherapist for the hypnosis. Whether When you're using RTT, you are walking away with the recording and because the mind learns by repetition. And so if you think of neural pathways in your brain, like bush tracks to the beach, that you've just walked down so many times that it's familiar, even though you know there's probably another path, even though you know that like actually this pathway isn't feeling right for me anymore, what the recording does and what hypnosis does, it will start to, the recording will help you start to carve out a new path. So in the session itself together, you might kind of see, or you might we might walk down the path once together, but we want the the we want the new beliefs to be anchored and start to feel familiar to the brain. Do you mind kind of explaining what hypnosis is or what kind of happens to your brain? Um, and then also, as you were talking, I was thinking, is hypnosis also really powerful? Because like if we have really ingrained beliefs about ourselves or patterns or, you know, thought processes or whatever, is that one of the powers of hypnosis that you can change those kind of thought patterns and, and ways of thinking without being uncomfortable in the sense of if we've been living a certain way for 30 years and then all of a sudden we want to change, you know, we go from I'm not seen to I want to be seen, whatever it is, that is a really scary jump sometimes because you've li- been living in a particular way for so long. So when you're in hip- or under hypnosis, is it almost a, an easier shift to make because your your brain is in that state? Yes, and, the, and I've got a couple of answers to that. So firstly, when we're in hypnosis, there's different brainwave states that we move through every day. So you you would go, the, the, the brainwave state that you're in in hypnosis is called theta. Now that brainwave state of theta is something that we move through when we're about to go to sleep at night. It's something that sometimes we can even drop into. You know when you've been driving and it's a really familiar path and you're kind of like, oh, I don't remember how I got from there to there, but I'm here. Kind of zone out for a little while. So that you're, you're going in and out of theta all the time. You might do it, you might find it quite hypnotic when you're swimming laps of the pool and lose time. So anywhere where you kind of feel like you're losing time or it's kind of this beautiful, you know, beautiful space between just about to fall asleep or you're just waking up, that's hypnosis. So it's nothing to be scared of. You're actually moving through that all the time. So between the ages of naught to seven, you are in this beautiful theta brainwave state most of the time. And that's why you're you're still so little that you have quite black and white thinking. If mum is sad and upset, little kids quite often go, I, I must have done something wrong. They start to, inter- because they're quite, um, because little kids are quite, like they are their entire world, right? And so they might pick up some, on, a, on, a, on a slight sign of, let's just use the example of, um, it's not safe to be seen, they might just 
be witnessing their parents fighting a lot and they just don't want to get involved in it. So they, they, they hide away in their bedroom. So that's why hypnosis is so powerful because we're able to access that same brainwave state where the programming first occurred and start to reframe it. So in hypnosis, when we're going back to the memories of my clients, let's just say they had a situation where they started to believe something about themselves when they were six, but now they're an adult and they have another perspective. They understand that mum had postnatal depression at that age, or they understand another story of the relationship between their mum and dad. And so in hypnosis, they can see why little six-year-old them or five-year-old them started to believe that and think that. But now as an adult, they have the context that they can reframe it and they can start to see that that doesn't need to be true for them anymore. The other thing I want to say on it is that quite often my clients might come in having an idea, especially the ones that have already done a lot of work on themselves. They kind of have a little bit of an idea about what might be going on. But once we get into hypnosis, there'll be other stories and beliefs going on too. So if someone was to come to me with binge eating and they've done a lot of talk therapy, they might have an idea of, they have a belief of, let's say, um, I'm not enough. But once we get into hypnosis, there's another belief in there and another belief in there. And there's these three beliefs creating this perfect storm, so to speak. So the recording that I create for them at the end I'm reversing all three of those beliefs. I'm anchoring them in with the new emotions they want to feel and experience in their world as they're moving through their days. And that's why when I'm working with people, I want to work with them for an entire month because I Mm. think it's really important to ground it all in with real life action, ground it in with the recording, make sure they feel supported with the, the changes because they have a lot of my clients have thought and felt a particular way for 30 years, 40 years. And so to start telling their mind every single day or their brain every single day, actually it is safe to be seen. That can feel quite scary for some people that is quite a leap. So it's important that they have the support around them during that change. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, like you said, like, those thoughts or that programming is just the brain trying to keep, you know, that person safe. So that can be yeah, quite a scary jump. Exactly. Yeah. What you do is also almost, I don't know, it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts, but it's like somatic work with talk therapy. So it also feels like almost this really nice blend of a few different kind of modalities. The creator of RTT, Marissa, she combined what she considered the best elements of CBT, psychotherapy and hypnosis. And so she's taken these different parts. The the part where it is more of a somatic experience, that is something extra that I have added in and learnt over the years that I've been practicing, as well as now with clients, which is not which is not RTT, but it's unique to me, is I found a lot of my clients didn't know what it looked like and felt like without the problem. And so uh, I quite often now, if it's appropriate for the session, I'll take them to a future vision. So I'll ask the subconscious to take them to a future vision, a future scene on what does it look like to not binge eat anymore what does it look like and feel like to be confident because my sense of confidence and what 
I might do when I feel confident is completely different to someone else. So actually when I'm feeling nervous, I will over talk and almost look more extroverted, you know, and when I'm feeling grounded and confident, I'm actually really calm. Whereas for some people, they might sort of pull back more. And so for them, their natural state of confidence is more bubbly and it is more effervescent. And so if I'm taking them to a future vision on what does confidence look like and feel like for them, not only do I understand what it's like for them and put the right words into the recording that's unique to them, but it also gives them a North Star so that when they're falling asleep at night or when they are waking up in the morning, they can anchor that visual into that beautiful, delicious state of time just as you're coming in and out of sleep. And so that I feel like has been a major game changer for me and my clients to be able to anchor these new ways of being in a way that's actually really natural for them. Yeah. So the two hours sounds like a long time that we're working together in that initial session, but it is, it, I feel like it's an important first step to be able to uncover the root cause, reframe it, be able to have a healing of some kind, future vision sometimes when it's appropriate, and then this closure with the integration and so I always warn people, like, you probably will feel a bit tired the next day or that afternoon. Don't plan to rush off to work, drink lots of water, have an intention that you're going to do a lot of supportive grounding things for the next few days, whether that's walking, laying in the grass on the back in the backyard, having a bath. You know, just make sure that you have the space to really um, relax after the session. Do you do past life regressions or have I made that up? Yeah. <laughs> I do. So uh, last year, because I am a forever student, I <clears throat> studied past life regression. I also found, so in RTT, when I was taking people back to the root cause of the issue, I found naturally about, I don't know, 10, 15% of people would spontaneously go back to a past life. So even though I would work intuitively and, and help support them, I felt like I just wanted some extra training around this just to make sure that, you know, was there any other new techniques that I could learn and was I doing it in the safest possible way for my clients when it did come up? So I took extra training on past life regression and life between lives. So the course I did covered both. And I am now offering past life regression, but I probably won't start selling life between lives until middle of the year this year. What's um, life between lives? So the beauty of the subconscious is it's a portal, basically. It's a portal for future visioning, future timelines. It's a portal to access past lives. It's also a portal to the higher realms. And so after, so if I'm doing a life between life session, you go to the most recent past life, understand, so the part life just before this, because some people have had hundreds, thousands of past lives, but we want to understand what was the lifetime just before this one. We go to the death point and go from the death point up to the higher realms. You have um, your 
uh, what do we call it? The You have your review with your guides around that past life, what lessons you learned, what you didn't get maybe right, what you did get right. Um, and then in a life between life session, you spend about, it's really long. So we do two hour past life regression and then we meet again to do three hours in the, in the higher realms. And so you're understanding your mission in this lifetime, you're understanding um, any karmic patterns with people. So if you have, so for example, when I did mine, <laughs> it was, you know, I took in my son's name, my daughter's name, my husband's name. I took in my parents, some key friends' names. So then the therapist could, if those names came up in the session, you could, they could ask more questions around them. So yeah, you understand why you chose the body you chose, the parents you've chosen in this lifetime. It's honestly such a trip. And I hear a lot of people at the moment doing a lot of hallucinogenic stuff. You know, mushrooms are quite a thing right now and ayahuasca. But, I, I mean, I've never tried hallucinogenics, but this was probably the trippiest experience I've ever had. It was amazing. And what I found is it's given me a real sense of calm not because I necessarily know, you know, just because I know my mission and understand my gifts and everything. It's more this sense of calm that, I don't know, a sense of peace, I guess, that I'm on the right path and that just seeing things from a higher perspective, I think, gives you a sense of peace in your own life. Mm. And do you think that we all come here or we're born into this body, I guess, in this world with um, almost a context that we need to break free of, like I'm not enough, I'm not good enough, whatever it is for each person that we carry through each life that we then sort of have to break free of. So the way I understand it is that this is like soul school and we have elected to come here because it does have the contrast in this lifetime. It has, you know, we're able to feel. So up in the higher realms, it is pure love, unconditional love and light. Here we get to experience what it feels like to be lonely. We get to experience what it feels like to be heartbroken and sad and we have this polarity of emotions that is being human, right? The good and the bad, the beauty and the mess. And because of that polarity and because we can experience all of those things, it actually fast tracks our evolution. And so we are all here for sure for a mission, but sometimes we'll be birthed into a family that might be fast tracking that in a way. So if you're here to learn the lesson of, unconditional love then growing up you might not have felt that yeah I mean that totally doesn't excuse the really shit things that can happen to people and in this world and but for me it gave me a sense of peace yeah yeah and then you sort of touched on it before but with each with each kind of iteration I guess of your business and what you do when, say, RTT came up or doing the past life regression work, was there always just like a gnosis in you that that was the right next step to take, even if it didn't 
kind of maybe intellectually at that time make sense? Or what's your kind of thoughts on kind of following the Yeah, it never intellectually makes sense to me. I guess in the lead up to all of those changes, though, there is an intuitive pull. There is something that's going, what's the next thing? Or there is something that, um, like like I said, when I was in advertising, there was a sense of I, I want, want to be doing something for myself. I want to be doing something for myself all the time. and But I didn't know what that thing was. But it was. I think that the more that we explore ourselves, release limiting beliefs, understand who we are, the path becomes a little bit clearer. I think we only ever know the next right step. I know right now I absolutely love what I do. I know that I'm on path, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to be a hypnotherapist in 17 years' time. I, I don't know where this is leading now. I would never have guessed that I was going to sell crystals online. I, I never in my wildest dreams would I have thought I was going to become a hypnotherapist. And so... I think there's this dance where your intuition will start saying to you like it did with studying. I was like, I need to study something. I want to get closer to the people that are moving through these changes. That's all I knew. And so intellectually, I was like, well, I love kinesiology. I'll do kinesiology. But then it comes, there's a moment at some point where it's just for me personally, it's just a bang oh that's the thing it's very very like with the crystals oh I need to start selling crystals online it's something about I think clearing the space like constantly clearing the space whether that's rest whether that's therapy whatever the thing is for you whether that's making sure that you're doing laps at the pool having a clear enough space allows the answers to drop in do you think people are cut off from their intuition and do you think part of that could be because there isn't that space. People are kind of busy all the time. They're inundated with stuff they can look at constantly, which means they can't, yeah, there's just not the space for them to kind of connect with it. Yeah, I think that I definitely think the busyness of the world and the numbing with our phones and all the things definitely block it. But everyone I know is intuitive. Uh I don't know about you. If you think of every friend you know, even the, the least likely to do anything psychic I mean the friend that I'm thinking of now she is so anti all of this stuff and she is the most intuitive person even though she'd never admit it she's the most intuitive person I know interesting yeah they just don't I think sometimes they don't trust it or they don't see it as intuition yeah maybe what the perception of intuition is actually not correct I see it sort of as a, a niggle yeah, it's a niggle and then for me it's just like a, a deep knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the female clients that I see, a lot of them are disconnected from it in the sense that they'll hear it but they don't trust to take action on it or they'll hear it and then they'll doubt themselves. They'll hear it and then they'll talk themselves out of it. Oh, no, that's, you know, I can't do that because of X, Y, and Z or um oh no I've got it wrong and and do you think that not trusting and then not kind of following through with whatever you know they're thinking or feeling intuitively is that just do you think like a safety mechanism or why do you think in those situations people aren't trusting it or following it 
I think it's a variety of reasons. I think one woman, actually the very first binge eater I did, which was the wildest story, I'd only just started practising. It was an online session and that was all around her blocking her intuition. So I started to do a recording for her, but the, the uh, internet kept dropping out and it was late at night. And I thought, oh, I wonder why it keeps dropping out. But I was doing a standard. I wasn't using my intuition. I was doing a standard what I thought she should hear for binge eating. And then I woke up at 4 a.m. and straight away I just knew I, I, I went, oh, my God she is gifted she it's her intuition she keeps trying to block it and numb it and and stop it from coming up but that's what it is and so I got up and I I quickly wrote down all these notes I re-recorded her recording and then I called her at an appropriate time and I just said to her does this track and she said yeah it's absolutely right and I caught up with her I check because I, she was one of my, the first binge eaters I did I would check in with her every now and again and and yeah she still hasn't that one session that one month of listening she just has never binged again and she's making sure she has this clear channel now now I think two things that like popped into my head when you were speaking about that even the mechanism of um binge eating is like pushing down you know, mm-hmm. so it's interesting that that's the way she sort of dealt with it. And also I think I can only speak from like a female perspective, but I also sort of feel like women tapping into their intuition, I can also see as them really tapping into their power, right? So it's this totally. different power. But once you kind of, I don't know, understand that and see it as this really powerful thing, it changes the way you see it. And I don't know, maybe there's a subconscious just culturally of that is actually where a woman is super, super powerful and that can be used in multiple different ways. But that's, that is, it's like power. That's something I see it at. But we're constantly gaslit, right, for our intuition as well. So we go to a doctor and and intuitively we feel like something's wrong and quite often the doctor will say no you're wrong or that's you know okay we'll run tests just to be just to be sure and nine times out of ten the person was right about their own body whether that's the birthing process or as a mother you have to be a real advocate for your kids sometimes insisting that they go and get the test or they go to hospital that night and I hear stories all the time where friends are like well thank god I trusted my intuition on that or thank god I didn't listen to what the doctor had to say so I mean that's just one example but I think you're right as a society we're quite often being told we're being silly or dramatic or even what you said before I've thought about it a lot recently with like kind of the 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 move to plant medicine I think that can be super helpful totally in right circumstances and it can sort of help with this huge shift in someone's mindset or perspective but it can also then just become something external that we need to rely on, whereas kind of the work you do and also seeing intuition as a power, it's this real kind of understanding that we kind of, it sounds so cliched, but we kind of have the power and hold the answers. Exactly. And I think that that if that, that's completely right, 
And there's something about trusting that you do have the answers within that is so powerful. If there's one thing, you know, if I could teach everyone to just do this themselves, and I quite often will teach my clients, okay, let's over the next month when that feeling comes up, start doing it like we did in session. Put your hand, where is it in your body? What does it have to say? Let the emotion tied to that feeling just move out of your body. I think that sometimes we intellectualize things or I want to intellectualize everything um, and analyze everything. But in the last year, I've been more at peace with not necessarily having to have an answer for every emotion and just let them let it move out of me as well. Well, on that, a question I wrote down as you were talking before was how how kind of this work and you helping others kind of heal, how has that impacted your own, and again, you don't have to obviously go into detail, but like your own healing journey or, you know, how has that sort of worked together? Well, I think it's an absolute privilege to do this work. It's something that I just don't take lightly at all and, it's interesting because quite often, and I know a lot of other therapists and um, people working in this space will say the same, quite often the words coming out of your mouth are exactly <laughs> the medicine that you need to hear yourself or I'll have a wave of clients in a particular week that all seem like completely different sessions. One seems like a money block session and he's a 50-year-old guy and one seems like a um, a confidence session and she's a 29 year old girl and they'll seem completely disconnected until I understand the root cause of everything like the message that's coming through that week is for them it's the the collective and it's for me so I do feel like my own confidence has definitely strengthened through this work my own intuition being able to yeah I don't know how yeah sorry that's it yeah (laughs) I don't know what else to say on that and I guess on that as your business has evolved how have you dealt with kind of any doubts or oh what am I doing I shouldn't do this along the way was it just complete trust was that hard to kind of manage I think like you know like they say like trust is like a muscle and the more you use it the more it strengthens and I mean, I've always been someone that kind of will take a risk or throw the spaghetti on the wall, so to speak, and see what sticks. Like have that, I try and have a lightness. But when I first, I guess, started, you know, when I first started Rock and Co, I was terrified to put a photo up of myself. I would, that would have caused massive anxiety. Now I don't find it that big a deal. Um Things like running my first ever Money Blocks course, like the first online course, I had a lot of attachment around how many people would join and who would join and all those sorts of things. Whereas now, I guess that trust is I know the right people who are meant to be in this container together will be there. There is no doubt in my mind. So I ran a group uh, called Visionary Amplifier. I ran a beta round in 2021 and those women have are still friends now. The WhatsApp still group still goes. They still support each other's businesses and and I ran it again this year and it was so interesting. Oh, sorry, last year, 2022, and it was so interesting 
all of those people, their businesses or their creative projects, there was definitely themes and patterns within it. So I guess I'm just more trusting of knowing whether it's 10 people or 20, those particular individual souls need to come together for this at that time together. So, yes, trust has strengthened out of sight. I don't, in a lot of ways, I don't recognise the woman that I am now compared to 2016. With the trust, you put out a newsletter, I think it was this week, about kind of seeing everything as an experiment and I guess it kind of almost ties Mm. into what you just said about trust. But I think that is such a, it's such a refreshing, I think, perspective to have on things because I think these days, you know, people have an idea and then, it's a success or it's a failure. There's no sort of in-between. And I think this kind of philosophy you have about seeing things as an experiment, it's awesome because it means that people can try, or I see it as it means people can try things and they're not necessarily attached to the outcome. It's about kind of the process or just giving it a shot. So, yeah, I'd kind of love to hear your thoughts on, on that philosophy and, yeah, why you think it's so powerful. I think that it's important to have a lightness to to what we do and not take ourselves and our work too seriously. But I also learned through Brock & Co that the reason why I built that business was purely to, I guess, come out of the spiritual closet, one, two, build my confidence in myself, overcome the fear of being seen, But three, I met the most awesome people. I built an incredible network of friends and people that I would still consider peers and colleagues now because working by yourself can be quite lonely. And the people that I connected with then are still people that I turn to now. Um, You know, I won't name names, but, you know, there are other female business owners and we'll text each other, call each other, check in on each other. And that community purely came from that risk that I took back then. And so some people might see that as a failure because I ended up changing my mind and became a hypnotherapist. And it, but for me, I can see that without that step, I wouldn't have been able to be where I am now. There is no way I would have been able to go from media to have a successful hypnotherapy business right now and be confident enough to show up and show my face because this, I am the brand now. So Rock & Co gave me this beautiful little, I guess, safe way of easing into um, having my own business without it being so scary. So there's so many things I got from that business and I think that, that has helped strengthen my trust muscle in the sense that, okay, well, if the next group that I create or the next offering that I put out doesn't fly, what have I learned from that? Well, I've learned that I really liked doing that, doing it that way, or I really loved working with that graphic designer, or I really loved connecting with those people. I just see it all now as a learning. If my intuition has told me, to do this thing or go there, there's a reason. It's either going to fast track my growth <laughs> or it's going to be a success. So it's kind of a win-win. And do you do any kind of uh, practices or rituals or anything to strengthen your intuition? 
I have tried everything. No, maybe, maybe <laughs> not everything, but I've, I, I dabble with things all the time. I love, I go through real phases with journaling just to get everything out of my head. And I feel like that can be sometimes a good way to tap into your inner voice and intuition. I teach a lot of my clients this exercise where start on the stuff that doesn't really matter too much to listen to your inner voice or your intuition. So should I wear the red top or the blue top? Listen to what it has to say. But you know, like the low ticket items or it doesn't really matter. Um, you, you know, let's say there's two ways to get to a particular place. Should I turn left or right? Just start to, that's, I think that was what I was doing in 2016. And that helped me understand the difference between my fear, anxiety voice and my intuitive calm. Yeah. Just do that voice. Yeah. And I think it's really easy for those two voices to get confused and mm-hmm. not knowing which is the intuition and which is the fear anxiety voice yeah it takes practice Uh, I still work with crystals I love I go through phases with essential oils at the moment I'm in a real vetiver on the bottom soles of my feet phase just before I go to sleep I love it I find it so grounding I find scent is big thing for me so different incense um, or different essential oils burning at different times so in the last visionary amplifier group that I ran as I was calling in while I was trying to work out who are these people that I'm communicating to. So I was creating content, purely talking to them that would connect with them. I pulled some cards on the, like some tarot cards on the energy of the group. So that I understood the energy of the group when I was writing content. And then I had the same song. I love music too. I had the same song and the same sense playing Every single time I play, every single time I wrote content, every single time I was putting a post up, every single time a new person joined and I was celebrating them, I had that same sensory experience. So for me, ritual is quite often around scent, music, yeah. Yeah. I also like what you said about um, it changing and going through stages. I think sometimes, or I don't know, it would be interesting to hear what you think about this, but ritual these days sometimes feels very almost regimented, which yeah. is not tick the box <laughs> exactly and like oh if you miss one day you have to meditate every single day and that's what you do but people I think especially women are cyclical and ebb and flow and you know so actually changing up what you do and what your ritual looks like is really important Definitely. And then there's some people that I think really need structure. It helps them feel safe for change. And for me, I, I love structure. I, I definitely, I feel like kids love structure too. My kids particularly love structure. They like to know, okay, we have our bath or shower and then we have our dinner and then we do read a book. And then, and I think for adults as well, there are stages where having structure and ritual can help anchor you as you're moving through change and so for me at the moment I've I've got a a big juicy goal that I'm I'm working towards and I've got a hypnosis track that I'm using but I'm anchoring in probably a little bit more ritual consistency making sure I meditate every day but then I will go away on holiday somewhere through the year and I won't do it anything at all but maybe I just want to journal every day so yeah that's another thing of once again of listening to your intuition and knowing 
what feels right for you, your body, the stage you're in, the season you're in. If you just had a newborn baby and you're beating yourself up about not meditating and ticking all the boxes, that's not really helpful either. Just sitting there breastfeeding and rocking in a rocking chair or being alone with your baby in the dark can feel quite meditative and connecting with them. So, yeah, there's different seasons for everything for sure. And then... How do you think this space has changed since you started Rock and Co 2016? Was it like how do you think it's evolved in this kind of spiritual healing space? Yeah, has changed over the last couple of years. Well, it's much more mainstream. It certainly wouldn't feel scary right now to start a crystal business, I don't think. In 2015-16, it definitely felt quite out there still and maybe maybe it wouldn't have been in LA but here in Australia it felt quite out there I think that it's it's good that it's more mainstream I think it's great that people have language and vernacular around healing modalities or what's going on for them emotionally or personally I think there's you know there's obviously some people that have hijacked it and there's some things that are you know, have gone a little bit too far, but being able to normalize going to talk therapy is a fantastic thing. Being able to normalize someone going a, through something that means they're going to reach out to people or reach out to a friend and use particular language around it, I think I think that's awesome. I I feel maybe it's just because I'm sort of going through this at the moment, but there's maybe a move away or there's more acceptance of like people being multifaceted and this world being just one facet of someone. So like you can be a kinesiologist or a herbalist or whatever it is, but live in the city. You can be a healer, but still watch a crap TV show or whatever it is. I I love that. Yeah. You don't have to just be because you're a yogi drinking green juices and you know living a particular type of life in a particular type of place yeah so true and I guess on that note like what do you see is or how do you see healing and spirituality and this kind of world and way of thinking of way and way of being in the world we live in in this kind of modern world it'll just continue to be normalized it won't be such a big thing for people and the kids growing up these days my girlfriend and I were laughing like they they just it's very normal for them to go to the kinesiologist for balance and talk about their feelings it's very normal for them to you know the other night I said to my daughter she had this sore back and I asked her to close her eyes and and I said to her you know listen to your intuition is it a sore back or is there something else is it, is it something else you know and she was she said is it a, it's just a sore back I said okay are there any kind of feelings or emotions around that like, so they're growing up in a in a world where that is totally normal question <laughs> I think that these next generation are going to be such incredible little people I think as well hopefully there'll be more um what's the word uh more main or like western modalities and eastern modalities let's say will sit by side by side rather than being opposed to each other I, I think hope so change a little bit and I think that as well is really important in 
kind of, you know, moving forward. And Totally. You see it in IVF. They do, you know, recommend that women that are going through IVF have acupuncture. I think I read something along the lines of, we don't know why it works. We've done research around it and we can't prove why it works. It just works. <laughs> and so there are elements that are already doing that, but it would be great to see that through the line. Yes. And I think what you just said um, is more balance as well in we don't know the knowing, understanding why something works, but also the acceptance of I feel different and I feel like it works. So we don't need the cold hard evidence to back that up. Obviously, with a lot of things, we need those facts. And yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, also, like, or I feel different. So that's enough for me to keep going forward or it legitimizes it rather than needing all of this kind of information. Yeah. And I mean, I'm a big fan of go to the doctor, have a blood test, making sure, you know, if I'm working with someone on a physical condition like eczema even, I will ask them in the connection call, um, have you done the gut healing stuff? Have you seen a doctor? Well, you know, what have you done in the past? I want to know that they have el- eliminated anything yeah. scary, but there is just so much unknown as well. And I think that there's probably still not enough people that are open to that in 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 their 30s and 40s today. You know, it's, we've come a long way, but there, there's still people that you see, well, I come in contact with at the school gate and things like that, that would just never think that that chronic back condition might have some <laughs> emotional um stuff in there as well so yeah I think we're coming a long way and then once like you said once the 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 western medicine eastern medicine start being able to dance together more will I think we'll make leaps and bounds for sure it's exciting exactly okay I have one last quite random question but you mentioned before uh kind of children in that zero to seven um age bracket being in um and I've got a one-year-old so I'm quite like in the I guess mum frame of mind think of it yeah um but I'm wondering like what you think yeah lesson we can take from kids is well when I first started practicing it freaked me out because everything I said or did I would think oh my gosh is this going to be a core memory it would (laughs) has she established the belief now that um her questions aren't important and you know because I dismissed it because I was looking after you know had a little one on one shoulder and cooking dinner and you know dismissing the toddler for a minute and so there was a lot of mum guilt around that stuff until I realized that after doing many many sessions that we actually have no control and especially after doing sessions on my own sisters too because the lens that I see mum and dad I realized oh wow they've got their own blocks that are completely different to mine or they've got their own stories that are completely different to mine we grew up in the same household with the same parents it's purely because we have come in with our own soul missions and our own soul you know in line with our own soul's highest evolution that we're picking up the things that we need to pick up in order to move through that so I kind of dropped or try to you know I still have moments of mum guilt but I have dropped the constant 
Am I saying the right thing? Am I doing the wrong thing, wrong thing in this situation? And just trusting that they have chosen me as their guide on this path and whatever is right for me right now and whatever I'm doing will be right for them. I'm just trying to be conscious, say sorry if I need to say sorry, um, you know, uh, have open communication on what I'm learning and experiencing and, and give them the floor as well for their own experiences. But I think that, yeah, so I'm sort of at peace with that now. I think that, that's that is, a question. Yeah, that's a question. No, uh, sort of. Sort What's of the biggest lesson? That. Yeah. But I Sorry. think as well that that um that applies to parenting, but also uh, us as adults and individuals, because it takes some of that pressure and the need to kind of control off, and and that goes back to that just this trust in everything. Yeah, it just keeps coming, keep coming back to the truth. Or well, the truth is that I wasn't happy with the way I responded in that in that situation. So I'm going to acknowledge that, take responsibility, and apologize. The truth is that you know I was overwhelmed in that moment, or you know just I guess keep coming back to honesty over and over again about what you're moving through, and and that's all we can really do is keep showing the kids that. 